This episode is a kaleidoscope, a collection of snippets from three different episodes that documented our journey from New York City, from Brooklyn, to living in a tagging cabin in the Catskills, all of the renovations that we did, adjusting to this profound calling to living in nature, learning to coexist with animals, and having this beautiful land hold us as an incubator for our own creativity, for learning to trust our intuition and our visions, and for our partnership that blossomed from boyfriend-girlfriend to husband and wife on this property within this chapter that honestly has been one of the biggest periods of growth in my life, if not the biggest one. Right now, we're on the verge of moving to Austin, Texas. The day that this airs is actually the day of our move. And so I wanted to take us back on this journey through all of these different beautiful chapters before Eric and I, my husband, sit down to share with you the story of where we're at now, the current vision. I'm so grateful to be able to share this epic journey with you. If you are called to check out the original full episodes to catch up on all of the conversations, they are episode 56, We Bought a Tiny Home, episode 74, We Are Going Nomadic, and episode 129, Tiny Cabin and Life Update. I will link to all of these episodes in the show notes, and you can find them wherever you're listening to this podcast or on kseniabrief.com. Before we begin, I'm so excited to introduce you to the sponsor of this episode, Mudwater. It's one of my favorite products that I use every single day. I'll be honest with you, it's been on my list of dream brands to partner with for years, probably since I started the podcast. Okay, so what is Mudwater? If we're connected on Instagram or TikTok, you probably have already seen me making my morning beverage with Mudwater. Here's the thing. Mudwater is a coffee alternative but I love drinking it with my coffee. I typically make a shot of espresso, froth some oat milk with mud water, and serve it hot or rice depending on the weather. Mud water has four adaptogenic mushrooms and Ayurvedic herbs. It's got functional mushrooms, which I love, like lion's mane, chaga, and reishi, plus spices like cinnamon and turmeric, and it gives you the energy without the crash or anxiety or jitters because it has one-seventh of the caffeine of a cup of coffee. Now, what I notice is when I drink coffee alone, there's jitters, and a little bit later on, there's a crash. But when I drink it with mud water, I don't get all these weird coffee side effects. On its own, mud water is like a next-level chai cacao beverage. The cool thing about it is that it easily dissolves in liquid, whether it's nut milk or water. There's no brewing needed. I typically use a handheld frother, and it does the job really, really well. In the summer, I also love making a mud water chai smoothie with almond milk, frozen banana, almond butter, collagen, and mud water. It's so, so good. Mud water comes in recyclable tins. They are really beautiful. I love reusing them. And what I've been doing is subscribing to the 100 serving bag of mud water and then just refilling my tin. There aren't a lot of products I love enough to subscribe to, and this is one of them. To try Mudwater, you can go to mudwater.com and use code Ksenia to get 15% off your first purchase. That's M-U-D-W-T-R.com and use code Ksenia, K-S-E-N-I-A, 
for 15% off. Currently, all orders ship within US and Canada. Another reason I love Mudwater is because they donate a percentage of earnings to psychedelic research, which is a field that is dear to my heart and one that has come up in so many of podcast conversations. I am so grateful to partner with such aligned brands to be sponsors of the show. It helps pay for all of the production costs. And honestly, every time I think about it, I'm just so moved and grateful that I get to do what I love the most, which is to have these conversations and I get to get paid for it. It really shows me that it is possible to be in our highest expression and our highest service and be provided for, fully provided for. I get to amplify a brand that I believe in with my full heart and you potentially get to discover a new brand and a new product that will add value to your own life. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome to the story of the tiny cabin. This first part of the conversation was recorded in 2019 when we were just about to move from Brooklyn to the Catskills. You'll hear about our backgrounds and some of the things that drove us to make this huge lifestyle change. Three years ago, I was sitting in my office on 34th Street and 8th Avenue between 8th and 9th, working for a digital marketing agency, a very large one. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, this can't be all that there is to life, which is kind of like the same realization I had when I was in college at NYU in the library and I was hungry. And they're like, all that there was was like a sandwich with like meat, cheese, bread. And I was like, there's got to be something more to eating healthfully because this food that I'm eating is not giving me energy and being good for me. And I'm sitting in my office and I'm having like a parallel type of breakthrough. I'm like, you know what? Where I live and where we are and in this office, there's got to be something like bigger, better, something like this isn't the be all and end all. And so I'm thinking to myself, I want to build my own house. I want to live in nature. I want to build a shipping container home. And at the time I had, I had zero money. I might've even had negative money. And I remember thinking to my, and I'd had different like success, money up, down, whatever it is. But I'm thinking to myself, like, how am I going to do this? Am I going to move there alone? And I just knew that I wanted to do something innovative, cool, and something that was creative and outrageous, but that really was like my life. Not just a painting, which is amazing, or not an installation, but the entire place that I was living being an expression of who I am and being unique. And apparently this lady over here had a similar vision, not shipping container, (laughs) but something quite interesting that, well, why don't I let you talk? Yeah, thanks. (laughs) So I grew up in Moscow, Russia, and it's a very traditional thing to have what we call a dacha which is your country house. It's like your retreat. And growing up, the dacha we would go to in the summers was built by my grandfather with his own, great-grandfather actually, with his own hands. It was this wooden little old house with an outhouse. So there was no plumbing. We used rainwater to take showers. And I was the one responsible for fire in the evening to heat up the water so that we could all take a warm shower. But her sister was responsible for cleaning the outhouse. So who got the better job? (laughs) Correct. So in the mornings, we would go mushroom foraging, especially after rain, because that's when the mushrooms come out. My grandfather and my mom taught me everything to know about foraging mushrooms. And my mom was responsible for the garden and we would grow all kinds of berries and zucchinis. And She's a killer gardener. I saw her garden my mom, like yeah. two years ago. It was amazing. So growing up, I remember... When you were a kid, you don't get a choice. You just go there and you spend all your time there in the summer. Your parents come visit on the weekends. 
when I became a teenager. Wait, what did you do there? Just go to the river, go help with the garden, go mushroom foraging, hang out with other kids. One of my friends had video games, so I loved that. I never owned video games. What? Nintendo? Yeah, Nintendo. Okay. I had a computer, but it was only in the city. When I became a teenager, my parents were obsessed with going to Dacha. They were obsessed with the idea of buying a new one and building their own house that was bigger and better with plumbing. (laughs) Very, Very reasonable. And me and my best friend were just so confused. All we wanted to do on the weekends was to spend time going clubbing and drinking tequila and staying up until 8 a.m. and then eating watermelons because we were so dehydrated. Because in Russia, you have to pay for water when you go to clubs or bars or restaurants. You actually have to pay. There's only bottled water. You can't just order free water. Yeah, you can't order free water at clubs here either. Really? I mean, unless you're like sick or something like that, they're not going to give you free water. Wow. It's like socially, they'll probably give you a water. They technically have to legally, but it's not a thing. Social norms will stop you from getting a water at a bar. So when we would go out, we didn't have a lot of money. So our choice was we either use our, the little money we had to buy tequila or to buy water or to pay for a cab home. Otherwise, you have to wait until 6.30 a.m. when the subway opens. And that's what we usually would do. Anyway, so that's a little throwback. I was so confused. Why are my parents so obsessed with spending all this time in nature with building a house? I just want to be in the city. I can't be away from my computer. I was obsessed with my computer and the internet and live journal and blogging. And Did you have dial-up? Yeah, of course. At right? that time, no. At that time, I already had non-dial-up. Oh, wow. So how are you so... that That's old. You're young. I was 20. I was like 16, 17 at the time. Russia had... That's crazy. Anyway, so that's my story. And now I am literally turning into my parents for the past year or so. I've been taking every opportunity to go and spend time in nature. Anytime someone invites me upstate, there's a retreat happening. I just love that sensation of seeing the stars and sitting around fire. That's what we would do at our dacha. We would sit around the fire. We would make food. We would grill sausages on fire and then we would, you know, put potatoes right in the coal. Ser something, ser... ser, Serdelka, right? That's the big fat sausages. And I just have such fond memories from childhood of that simple life, kind of like Paris Hilton. And so as I've been spending more time in nature, then... So now let's start recollecting of how it all manifested, okay? So from what I remember, last fall, it was 2019... Eric got obsessed with earth building, earth bag homes, natural building. And he presented to me this idea. Hold on. Wait, wait, back it up. Can we just back up for one second? Okay. Okay. I have been talking about building a house for over two years. And she was like, yeah, no. (laughs) Not like, no, it's a bad idea. She's like, not interested. It was more like that. And I like how things typically work is I plant the seed like, seven or eight times and then she's like you know what that's a great idea and yet hold on i was just doing a blog post for breakfast criminals about my evening routine and i came across this older blog post that i wrote about five years ago and it said i'm reading now the more time i spend in nature the more clear i get on my vision of living in a mountain cabin there's a fireplace a cozy furry rug floor to ceiling windows overlooking pine trees and cliffs a welcoming wooden dining table and a bright kitchen There's also a hot tub for stargazing on cool nights. I mean, I completely forgot about this. This vision was tucked away, but it was in existence. And I completely believe that I called this in. But we don't have floor to seal windows. That's happening. 
We will go to Furry Rug. We're going to build that. <laughs> we will go to Furry Rug. And a cozy dining table. Cozy is a, it's a very relative word. Anyway, so this was about five years ago. And then last fall, how did you get into the whole earth? Can you explain what natural building is and how you got there? Because how it got to me is that Eric presented this crazy idea to me that we could build a house with our own hands with the help of other people uh, with under $10,000 budget or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, sure, let's buy property. Let's do this. Sounds great. And then we found out that it's not realistic. So yeah, what happened? I am trying to figure out how I did get into the natural building thing. I love the idea of a shipping container home at first because I was like, ah, we're recycling shipping containers. They're, you know, they're being dumped all over the world. And then I found out a couple of things about shipping container homes that, that made me think, you know what, maybe this isn't the best idea for our home. Not that I don't love shipping. I still want one, by the way, just the record. But I started thinking more about natural stuff. What's even more natural than that? I'm, I'm an extreme person. I used to be a raw vegan 10 years ago. and I didn't have anything that wasn't cooked. So I'm thinking, what's the most natural you could get? And I found out about this thing called earth bag building. And it really blew my mind. In fact, my buddy Jacob, who's ironically ran that crystal adventure like almost two years ago. That you may have seen when Eric did a breakfast criminal takeover from the Tucson Men- Gem and Mineral Show. <laughs> it was awesome. So he's he's a great friend of mine. And we, we always we always connect at these awesome crossroad times in our lives. And he told me about this thing called Earth Ships. He's like, yo, this is amazing because I've been talking about building my own house for a while. It's like Earth Ships. And essentially an Earth Ship is something... It's like a self-contained unit completely. It has six different components. I'm seeing if I can remember this right. I'm not reading off a piece of paper. It's growing your own food, the septic, climate controlled by itself, power, all these different things that are you know, within the unit. Anyway, the point was that he told me about this Earthship thing. And then I, I did some more research and I thought to myself, yeah, this is not like a Northeast thing. It's not like cheaper or anything like that. So... I kind of pushed After it to the side. After going to Guatemala and no, taking no, a week on. Wait, no. Guatemala wasn't an earth, earth, was not Earthship, my, okay. lady, my love. Okay. I decided that I needed to figure out something else. And I found that about this thing called earth bag building. And the concept was so freaking simple that I thought to myself, we've got to do this. Like, I can do this. It's kind of like a creative Lego version. And you stuff a bunch of earth it's kind of it's a little bit more technical but it's not that much more technical it's it's a certain mix of clay sand soil and you you put them into a what you would call like a grain feeding sack a polypropylene bag and you stack them on top of each other and then you kind of build a house from there and it's it's so simple it's labor intensive but it's amazing what you can create from it so i got into that and then from there i started reading all the quote-unquote negative reviews about it like and they're like, oh, no, you got you to need a straw bale house. That's My parents were like, you're going to build a house from what? From dirt? <laughs> yeah. Well, they say earth to be respectful. But then there was all these things about straw bale, a build with straw bale, build with slip straw, build with sips. No, sips, they have all that foam. And, it's, and so you just go through all these different things. And I researched the hell out of everything. I was, oh, no, log cabin. Oh, no, we need this. And I researched so much of everything and I started to see that there, every night he, every he night. literally would spend hours watching YouTube videos about building. And I was so not interested. So I couldn't get her to watch something. When I say I'm obsessed, I do mean I spend two hours during the day and then five hours at night. And I will read entire books and order them after I've read the ebook and the preview of the ebook. At one point I had <laughs> over 40 
what were they called? Like 48 page, 10 page segments from books about building natural building and passive house and all these different things. Pretty much anything you can think of that's on the world of alternative building. I did some nice dipping into there in terms of reading and research. Long story short, I got really antsy and I was thinking to myself, I really want to try something and do something like I don't want to think and read about this. I'm an action guy. So let me find a workshop because I don't know if I can figure this out or do it myself. So I'm going to go to a workshop. I went online. There was a workshop in like a week and a half in Guatemala. Listen, I was already going to Guatemala for a cacao trip with my friend Florencia, who has been on this podcast. And it so happened that out of anywhere in the world, the workshop you found on the dates you needed was on the same lake in the same country, the same dates. Yeah, it's pretty wacky. It really is. It's crazy. And what was even wackier is that I I found it and it was the only one that was within four months or something like something like that, really. In the world? In the world, yeah. I didn't know of any other one. And so I said, yeah, I'm going. I didn't even think twice about it. I just made it happen. And that's really how we are as a couple. We just jump in. And I said, are you going to be in Guatemala? And then she goes, yeah. I go, let's meet up after. <laughs> and so we did. But I went to this workshop and it really did blow my mind. It blew my mind because we learned how to make walls out of cob. So cob is literally just using clay, sand, and straw to build something. It's like a, a mud home, if you will. And it was amazing to do that. And we used all these recycled materials, not to build in code. And you can't really do that in the US. But So just, yeah, go ahead. this is a brand new idea to me. There's a building code. So <laughs> if you want to build anything on the property that you own, pay taxes for, you got to get it approved by the town, whatever, the council, I don't know. Town like you board, can't just yeah. build whatever you want. It all has to be approved, the location, where the windows face, the plumbing. I, to me, it just sounds so crazy. If I already paid for my land and it's mine, as long as I respect the earth, I figure out what to do with it myself, but that's not how it works. So You need to move to Texas, girl. What's there? The laws are extremely lax, if any. I'm more of a country area. They have almost no laws or wow. regulations there. So what happened was I got back from this thing. And before I went on this workshop, I can't tell if it was right before or right after. I was, we were thinking about our apartment. You walk into my office and what did you say? I don't remember how I got to that point, but I was thinking, how much longer do we have in our lease? And we thought about it. We had four or five months and something inside of me that, intuitive voice that something beyond me just said let's not renew and I had no idea what was next I just had this feeling of upcoming adventure whether it meant us traveling or moving somewhere else and just so you understand we have the most beautiful apartment I've never loved an apartment more we have the, a huge bright kitchen windows everywhere a gorgeous bathtub, wonderful neighbors. We each great have our own office like legit office. I have a terrace overlooking garden I mean it's just a dream but Yet something inside of me said, it's time to move. So it's so important to honor those callings and step into the unknown and into uncomfortable because that's how we grow. If we stay in what's comfortable and what's, what works for us now, we're not going to evolve into the next version of ourselves. Dang. Yeah. Amen. And so she said that, let's not renew our lease. And I said, all right. And just to give you an idea, neither one of us has any experience buying property, building real estate, none of that. Yeah, and you grew up on a dacha. I didn't. I grew up on the Upper West Side in a two-bedroom apartment of 700 square feet. I've never lived on a property, had a country home, or had anything like that. The only reason why I know anything about home services is because I used to sell marketing and advertising to those people at the job I had back in the day. So 
I said yes to us moving out. And then... How did you start looking for properties? Well, I had already been looking for properties. And uh, then there was this mushroom property that really got me interested. In, and finally, that was your access. It was. Actually, I what happened was I met a friend at this at one of these meetings. And the guy was like, oh, you're looking for a uh, new property? He was, he was a guy who went to Burning Man with me. I saw him at Burning Man, and then I saw him again. And we, we talked a little bit. He's like, you know, I know a real estate guy up where you want to go. Talked to the real estate guy. It was so helpful. It was really nice. But we wanted something that wasn't in that area. Talked about, oh, yeah, we don't want to take out a loan. We don't want to spend this. We, don't want, we had no idea what we wanted. And, if and you're, no savings. Yes. If you're out there kind of thinking to yourself, you're like, oh, you know, what do I want? What do I, I recommend that you really just jump in to figuring out what you want. And not, allow, yeah. allow yourself to be shown. Totally. Not intellectually, but go out there and take some actions and look around and see what feels quote unquote right. So we have in our relationship, we do have roles that are informal. My role is to cast a wide net, do all the research, spend <laughs> a million years looking at things and get very deep into all the details. And then set up uh, some viewings for, let's say, five different things in that category. What's my role? Your role is to choose which one you want within that five. That's it. Sounds like a queen's role. It is a queen's role. Now, the thing is, is I know because I'm tuning into her, I'm thinking, all right, she's going to like this. She's going to like this. And then maybe I throw in something that only I'll like just just to kind of even <laughs> it out and make it interesting. So how did the mushroom property come about? The mushroom property came about... As you about. guys can tell, I'm obsessed with mushrooms, foraging mushrooms, mushroom medicine. I'm just so connected to earth through it. So what you got me with is that you found this property that in the description said it grows chanterelle mushrooms in large quantities. And that's when I knew, okay, we're going to borrow a car from your mom. By the way, we didn't have a car until yesterday. Never owned one ever. And so we jumped in the car. We went there. The property sucked. It was really Whoa, bad. Well, hold on, hold on. It, yeah, it wasn't great. But but what, I, what we will say is that that moment of going out there and experiencing it, we learned more from just jumping in the car and driving like two hours than we could have ever learned by looking on the internet on Zillow, which is pretty helpful, by the way. So what I will say to you is that when we got to that property, we had this experience of, of peace and that we were on this journey together. And I loved it. I love that she loved the mushrooms. For me, what makes this process so awesome is how happy she is about different things. And she knows that if she can create things that I'm really happy about for a property, then we're just going to be happy. And that's kind of cool that we that we see things like that. I see things like that. Do you? I was you do. thinking about the skull that we found at that property. There was a really cool skull. There was an awesome like skull. Like a fox or something. What, what, whatever it was, we that skull got us connected to to nature big time so the property it did and the trees gosh so the property was way overpriced the house on it was old and needed to be either dem demolished no yeah, it, it needed, needed to be demolished 100 percent. <laughs> and the neighbors were right there and so by looking at that house we pretty much knew okay yeah if we're gonna we spend, knew what we did not want exactly like in the law of attraction they always say you arrive at knowing what you want and having that clarity by first identifying what you don't want and that's exactly how it worked for us yeah, I was like, we're going to buy something, girl. We are not going to buy something that is, I can look into my neighbor's window. Right, right. and the property was big, but literally, I don't know why people build right next to each other. So that's when, for me, it became this game, this hunt. What it, what else is out there and what feels good? And we ended up looking at, I ended up looking at less than five properties until we found one that just felt 
Right. Well, hold on a second. I just fast forwarded. We're going back now. Yeah, yeah. Well, just to be like I said, what my job is informally is to research everything, meet all the real estate agents, call up all the listings, figure out everything about the area. Call the town council. Call the, yeah, yeah, borrow call the everyone, car. Borrow the car, organize that, drive the car. But Sound like a jerk. No, you're not a jerk. You just weren't. I had to get you interested enough. Like that was my, I knew that if I could get you interested enough that I could hit on the things that you really want. Because I knew that you, sounds terrible. I knew that you wanted this. But we also weren't engaged yet. For me, in my mind, we were married after our third date. (laughs) So I already connected our futures together. And I think you had a lot of resistance, not to me, but I don't know. Well, whatever it was. It's a different episode. It's another episode. The resist, I never took it very seriously, the resistance. It never offended me. It never took me, I never took it personally at all because I can feel the love of this lady. Yeah. I remember actually when we're just starting to, I remember what the resistance to the house was coming from. It's because anytime you would bring up the house, to me, the question would come up, okay, well, if we're buying a house, who owns it? We're not a family unit. You know, how are we Which paying I for it? With. How are we splitting it? To me, that not being in place and not being complete, like to me, we hadn't yet arrived at a place where as a couple, I was ready as part of 50% of a couple, I was ready to take that on. And you were. And for me, bringing those concerns to the table and actually sharing them with you felt really vulnerable, but also felt very necessary and liberating because you were there to listen to them. Thank you, And to not resist my resistance, but to hold space for it. Yep. It's also my job, too. And I do it with pleasure because I think that if I listen to you, I'm listening to me also, because I can't say that I didn't have concerns also. Even though we might not have had the same concerns, my concerns, I had concerns, period. And by having compassion for your concerns, I definitely had some more compassion for mine. They were more on the financial side because right. I was clear when we were we were dreaming up this house. With no money in the bank. I mean that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not. We're not like neither one of us is a saver. Whatever I make, most of it, I put, not most of it, but really all of it. She I put back into my it. business. She reinvested into the quality of her life and who she is as an individual, because ultimately that is your business, right? The business of Ksenia is her life and sharing it with people, which is, I love that about her. And so we didn't really have the money. And when I say really have the money, I mean, zero dollars were allocated or could, someone's like, how much money do you have to buy a house? I'm like, I got like 360, 360 (laughs) bucks. Like, it wasn't like we were poor or anything like that. My parents had given me couple of thousand dollars for my 30th birthday Mm -hmm. because we were convers. Oh, now I'm remembering this. We were considering buying real estate instead of renting. And my parents were super supportive of that move and had given me a few thousand dollars for my 30th birthday to have whenever we're ready to make that investment. Yep. And then after looking at apartments in New York City, we both were like, "Uh uh-uh, nope. It's like a million dollars for for an apartment, not even a house. Not, 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 not even a great apartment, honestly. And it actually, because I've lived in New York City and at, at one point in a past life, I had been involved in, in real estate. Nothing, nothing big or fancy at all. Just in that world, I dipped a toe in. I didn't really think twice. Like I knew in my mind that apartments are extreme, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. You, you can't even really buy a studio apartment for less than 350000 For sure. 
in her mind, the idea of spending a million dollars on an apartment was almost like a fantasy cartoon joke. Like, we <laughs> should not do this. We can't do this. And I thought to myself the same thing. I was like, if we take out a, a $1 million loan or whatever, you're 800000 bucks loan, then we'll have to pay back some pretty serious dough every month. And we'll be stuck at making, at needing to earn that much money and then spend that much money. And then we'll also be stuck in the city and that dream of having that shipping container home, whatever that, you know, whatever that became, would be lost in all likelihood without having to dedicate our lives to maintaining a certain level of income in a city that was extremely expensive. Right. That was a good way of putting it all together. And the feeling I was really going for was freedom. It was not being tied with monthly payments and being in one city, I really was going for freedom. And I had watched in the documentary, The Minimalists. I've been following Sorel Amor, who speaks a lot about living a minimal lifestyle. I ran into Leo Babauta, the founder of the blog Zen Habits. I read the book Essentialism, who my fiance Eric recommended. And I just internally was coming to a place where I'm ready to get rid of the things that don't spark joy. I was ready to really focus on things that are fully aligned with my purpose and help me get clearer on it instead of distracting me from it. And that's both in the physical and the energetic realm. And I just had this vision that with all the work that I'm doing, I started teaching my eight-week online program this year. I'm called to write a book. I did a mastermind, just lots and lots of expansion. I spoke at one of the top universities in the country lots of big personal and business growth huge and, and i knew that to keep my container clear as shipping a container <laughs> as a channel for delivering this information to you guys and to anyone who come across comes across my work and is moved by it it's important for me to focus really on keeping my own soul and my body clear and I knew that the answer to that lies in being in nature and being quiet and not being around noise pollution and sound pollution and so that move into nature felt more and more real and more and more right mm -hmm. I just got so much by listening to you just now I when you said minimalism and and what makes you joyful I've got probably ten thousand dollars worth of art supplies that I've built up over the last 20, whatever, maybe 15 years. And I can, I could say that if I got, I could probably get rid of a third of them and never use them again. I could probably get rid of another third and I would maybe buy them again. And there's maybe one third of all my supplies that I want to keep and will use if I was going to make something tomorrow. And I'm going to let go of those supplies because by letting go holding on to some supplies and whatever, paints or pastels or primers or printmaking stuff. By letting go of those things, I think I, I really feel like I'm opening up a channel to create something that's authentic for where I am right now as an artist. And I'm, I'm creating that for my, my life as well. So I'm about to throw out all these old like basketball shorts I used to have in this basketball yeah. jerseys. Yeah, because I quit basketball because I kept on getting injured. And I just want to get rid of everything because we're about to move into nature First of all, this house that we're, we're moving into a house, by the way, this is what this is about. It's so small. Yes. We didn't think we were moving into a tiny house, just for the record. I know we're jumping ahead. This yeah. house is, it is a tiny house. I thought we were getting a small cabin, but it's we measured it. It's formerly a tiny house, and it was listed as an almost 700 square feet. 
which is what, like 60 meters? Yeah, something like something? that. Yeah, 62. And 62. we measured it after having bought it and we realized it's half that. And for the record, I didn't care. I knew it was definitely less than that. It was kind of a surprise when we looked at the numbers themselves. Now, that being said. Also, before yeah. we get in there, hold your thought. I'm where, add where, where am I going, though? Where are you? I don't know. Where, wherever I'm going, it's not where we should be going, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I just wanted to add something. <laughs> before we jump into what's happening now, with all of the things that I was exposed to and inspired by in terms of more minimal lifestyle, what I've been doing ever since we moved, actually, as we moved into this apartment, which Eric also found, I just had this vision for some reason, I had this idea that this apartment is smaller because we hadn't looked at a bigger one. So I was comparing it to even a bigger one. But I remember when we were moving into it, we we're like, oh, it's going to be a smaller apartment. And I just created this whole vision of how we're going to live this minimal lifestyle. I'm going to have a minimal wardrobe and I'm going to rent clothes more than I'm going to buy them. From the woman who lived in a micro studio before we moved into here. I don't that's understand true. how that's possible. I don't know. Go ahead. I don't know how. But I think step by step, I was just being prepared and so within the past year or so since we lived here, I've been really focusing on creating space. Every quarter or so, or even more often, I put together huge bags and I just donate, I sell. I sold all the designer clothes I had from my life in luxury fashion from my past life because I literally was just keeping those Hermes pieces and Gucci and Prada and I wasn't wearing them because that's no longer my lifestyle. I was, yoga I was wearing them and it was really disappointing when you got rid of them. Stop it. <laughs> All I wear is yoga pants. And I mean, right now I'm wearing those really cool Jason Wu cargo pants that I rented from Rent the Runway. I think I'm going to actually buy them. But the truth is, I realized I was holding on to so much. And if I wear something just once a year, it's not worth it. My space is much more precious. So I sold everything on the real real. Now I listed a bunch of things on Poshmark. And I'm just creating space. And I'm looking at what matters to me and what doesn't. And what truly I want to hold on to and what I don't. Because a couple of years ago, when I went nomadic for almost nine months... I had to make those choices. I had to, I think I started with one and a half, like one big suitcase and one smaller one. I had to make those choices and then it got bigger and I had two suitcases by the end of it. But I know what it's like to make those choices. And I also know that we really don't need that much. You just need pieces that you love. That's true. I've downsized my wardrobe as a result of you being inspired by you. Like over and over and over and over again, I've thrown out half of my clothes at least three times. It's true. Wow. I, we've given them away. So what happened? You were looking at properties. I was looking at, I was looking at different properties and I was also kind of, I would call up real estate agents and I'm, I'm a person that I want to be guided by someone. I'm somebody who likes to guide people and help and like coach and help and, and help people think things through. And when I'm on a process, I also like to have, be guided and help through. And the way the real estate like situations are set up, it's that the buying agent needs to earn your business by being someone who helps you and offers value. And I was really looking for a real estate agent who was going to be with me where I was rather than where they knew I was going to end up, which was really, does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you want to buy a house and you have a fiance or a future fiance that has certain creature comforts and things that she definitely wants and styles that she definitely doesn't like, which are 95% of all styles that are already existent in the area that we wanted to move. 
then there are certain things that we're going to end up having to have and money that we're going to have to spend. And then I got real with myself on what I really wanted, because in, in my sometimes judgment of her about what she was saying that she wanted luxury, I realized that I also wanted a certain level of luxury, not like a palace with pashmina Just like rugs. in the way the materials are used and the style and the decor. Yep, yep. And it, then let me just... And sorry, it doesn't have to anymore. be a full-priced luxury. It doesn't. It just has to look... look. Sleek and chic. For her, I saw for myself, I saw for her that there's a level of sleek and chicness that's not ostentatious as much as it is a a part of her feeling awesome and being self-expressed. And that was really important for me to have that breakthrough. And then for me, I saw that just having the most eco-friendly, awesome, minimalistic, I'm not a minimalist. I'm more of a, I'm going to do it myself and make everything custom and amazingest. And I realized that I probably didn't have the energy, the know-how to have our house that we were going to live in that was going to be awesome looking for her and and quote-unquote good enough for me. I didn't have all the time and energy, and I don't think we had the money and all that stuff to just start making that happen. So we started getting creative on how we're going to make it happen. So we started going through the different options of, of how we could potentially purchase something and make a house happen. So one of the options we looked at was buying a piece of raw land. And it seems sexy because it's a fraction of the price of buying a house that already exists. And then we looked at the different houses that were on the market and they were real bad. There was nothing at all nice, according to my lady's standards. And yeah, they were all like 70s and 60s older house. And you know, when you walk into your house and you just feel someone else's vibe and some people have the vision of how to renovate it and what to do. And I just don't have that vision. And honestly, I didn't want to deal with redoing someone else's creation. I wanted to create from ground up. Yeah. And frankly, the the layouts of a lot of these houses weren't what we wanted either. We had always envisioned more of an open plan. I don't know why I also had that vision, but it it felt awesome. I used to, we went to this, this loft on Broadway and Prince, me and my brother and some of my friends for these, this New Year's party. And this guy had this huge loft and it was so amazing. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to have a loft. Well, that's all I knew was apartments at the time. But that open plan was was so beautiful. And it really, it opened me up to something. So we were looking at all the different options. We love the idea of there already being buildings on the property. In my mind, I have all these different hobbies and passions and interests. I was like, I want a building for each thing. And what's crazy is that in episode, I don't remember if it was on my podcast or Natalie's podcast. I think it was Natalie Miles' podcast. It was hers, yeah. When I was a guest on her, she gave me a spontaneous reading that I was not expecting at the end of it. And she affirmed the idea of us buying land. And she also said that, you know, I was asking her, is it just land or is there a house? And she said, I see some structures on there. I can't tell what they are. But in the land you buy that's meant to be yours, there's definitely some structures. And what we ended up with is a land with exactly that. There's an observatory structure, there's a tiny house, and there's a little shed. Oh, the shed. Yeah, it is a great shed. And there's a dilapidated doghouse, too, <laughs> which is something that we always talk about for some reason. Now, the property, we didn't really know what we were looking for, thinking about. At first, we we're like, ah, we need three acres. And then we found out that three acres, while it, it, while it is large, it's not country large. My brother as building a house right now that's not a full acre, but he's also building in Bergen County. So it's a whole other story. Three acres where we're living, where we want to live in the country is not much, not much privacy, not much space surrounding. Well, and you're thinking if you are moving into the country 
and you are investing into buying something that is going to go up in price, you might as well just get something bigger with the possibility of building it up and adding more structures and getting an Airbnb and growing things. Yep. I've always had a vision of building a homestead, of building, build, like I've never built a house. I'm pretty handy, I guess, but I've never lived in a house with things to fix and build. I put together furniture for us. I make artwork that has some complex different things in it that requires drills and stuff like that. But I've never built a house and obviously I've wanted to build a house. So my vision is definitely to build different structures and be one of those guys with a garage workshop. That is a, a dream. So as we were looking at properties, none of the houses felt right at all. None of the land felt right. Not at all. It like, felt not really even sad, actually. It felt really sad. Some of it looks so good on Craigslist or Zillow. And then you go and see it and it's like next to a trailer park or it's right next to the neighbors, you know, and none of it was right. But going out there on the weekends and just spending time in nature, even in wintertime, just felt so special. And I was really connecting with that idea of living in nature more and more. And then, Eric, you found this agent for us on Zillow. Yeah, yeah. we were talking about the agent being nice and connecting with you and being with you where you're at right now, rather than being like, you should just do this. What I love about Anthony, I want him, him to hear this, actually, is that he entertained all of my cockamamie ideas. He Everything that I said. Oh, well, what ideas? Cockamamie. That's it's like a, all my outlandish, crazy ideas. So oh, let's build an igloo or let, you know, like <laughs> different things that I said. He actually really listened to me. And that meant so much to me that he was listening to me. And when we changed our mind, like he would make suggestions and I would just be like, yeah, you're right. I wanted him to advise me and I listened to his advice. And so he's like, yeah, you don't want that. I'm like, you're right. I don't. I'm like, why don't I want it? And he explained. And I was like, you're right. You, I don't want this, Anthony. Thank you. And. So as time went by... So you found him literally just through a listing. He, he wasn't a uh, oh, totally. friend or anything. He was not a friend. Yeah. He, I mean, he became a friend. We found him through a listing. And when he, when he spoke to us and he spoke... Sorry. When he spoke to me, I spoke to him a lot of times before I introduced her, him to her. But when I spoke to Anthony, he actually sincerely cared. And I knew that this was going to be a guy that was going to be able to help me through this process and walk me through this thing. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And I told him I have no idea what I'm doing, but we want to do this. And we, I was like, let's look at a couple properties. And we went to go see them. And this is the first time we met Anthony, actually, which was really crazy. We only could see two properties because the other ones were snatched up. And just to be clear, the market was so sellers. None of the stuff that was out there, even up to $300,000. And we considered, upstate New York. yeah, we considered this upstate New York, Sullivan County. We considered the possibility of spent of like, I, we didn't have the money. We couldn't, we just thought that we could somehow, and we could, we could do anything we want to do. I'm very clear that we can make anything happen. And by the way, I didn't believe that until Eric found us this apartment we currently are in sitting. And it was at the budget that we were looking to spend and it's beyond our dreams. So there's really something about how this works when you're in a partnerships where you might have limiting beliefs, but you are with a person who sees the bigger picture and believes in it so much that you get sucked into that energy and you create it together. Yeah, I would say I'm like, you're, I'm the heaven, you're, you're the earth making it real. Like I, I do have these visions and I take things to a certain place in the finishing line, like before the finish line and you really bring us home. And I love that. Actually, on our third date, you told me I feel like home. Oh, I said you feel like home. Yeah. Love you. And I just trust this woman implicitly to make choices. We bought a car Literally. yesterday and 
the guy's like, oh, you want to drive it? I'm like, no, nah, let her drive it. She gets in the car. I'm like, do you like it? She says, yes. I said, all right, we're getting it then. He goes, you don't want to try it? I go, I trust you. I really, I didn't need to do it. I trust this woman. I don't trust her to close the milk cap. I don't trust her to let the oat milk cap. I don't trust her to close the kombucha cap. I don't trust her to close the olive oil cap. But I do trust (laughs) her to choose our car without question. I don't think about it. Okay, so we looked at the first property. It was one of those homes that I mentioned, terrible. And then we looked at the second property. And it was this uphill property and with a little house on it, which seemed like a perfect idea for us because there's already a livable structure on it. Then we can live there while we build something else. Otherwise, we have to pay rent here and the mortgage there. Which is crazy, by the way. Just so you know, even with the extremely low monthly mortgage that we have right now, it's a fraction of what we pay in our apartment. But there's no way that we could have afforded to pay both at the same time and do anything else in our lives. So the property was beautiful. The price was higher than what we would expect to pay for a tiny house like this. And then when we were leaving the property, I saw this tree that's at the entrance gate. You know, my vision when I think cabin, when I thought that connection with nature, every time I would close my eyes, and that's how I've manifested every apartment and every home I've ever had, is I close my eyes and I tune into how does my space that I'm living in, how does it feel? What is the light like? Where do I, what's the sensation in my body? What's the prevalent emotion? And what was important for me is to have this feeling of being cradled by trees. So I was not considering a house that's on an empty lot or just an empty lot with no old trees. For me, it was very important to feel like I'm connected to the forest. And also having older trees on your property means that you're going to have mushrooms most likely. So this little cabin is exactly that. There's lots of empty space, but it's also nestled by these old trees. And as we were leaving the property, I saw this old, old, I think it's pine tree or something. I have to learn those things now that we're becoming gardeners and farmers and all that. But we were leaving and I saw this tree and I felt like it spoke to me. And I took a little branch that was laying on the ground from it. And it was middle of winter. It was cold. It was gray. It was freezing. And Eric kept talking to Anthony. I just wanted to get into the car. But I was really called to go back to that tree. And I picked up this piece of its branch. And I then put it on my altar. And I just let it go. I surrendered. I released. And I surrendered it with this thought of, okay, if you know, just let us be guided. Show us. And the more I sat with myself in meditation and ceremony, the more that land kept speaking to me. And so when we went back another weekend to see more properties and none of them felt right, and we were again cold and we needed to go home. Yeah, wait, let me actually, let me interject here because this is a really, a really amazing part in the journey. So after that first trip upstate, we only saw two houses, by the way. We, we did not see three. We saw two. First time two, the, correct. The first one that we didn't like, and then the second one, which is the one we ended up buying. But after that, I actually went up with my mother. My mom and I went together because I needed to go up there and I wanted to get some mother-son time. So we went up there. We saw about three or four properties that completely did not impress me at all. In fact, I was shocked that they were charging what they were charging for those properties. They were completely empty. And I saw one that I actually thought was really great. And in the world of selling her, Xenia, property, I felt this was like my best chance to quote unquote sell her on this. So 
the next week I said, let's go out there again. Everything was getting bought so quickly that I figured, you know, we just need to, if we like something, we need to buy it. So we went out to this property and she just noted immediately. And I know her. I didn't even need to get out of the car. I just knew it. She knew. And, and I said to myself out loud, <laughs> you know what? If she's not on board with this, it's impossible for this to happen. Like I need her to love this. And I'm clear that that for me, the number one priority for anything we get is she's got to freaking love this. They say happy wife, happy life. I did not understand that until I met this woman because I, when she's happy and loves something, it just, I almost, I don't even think about whether I love it. What helps is that we do love a lot of the same things, of course. But we, she's like, no, I'm not doing this. And I was like, oh man. And I didn't even try to like talk it up or anything like that. I was like, she doesn't like it. And I looked at Anthony. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go home. She goes, well, no, <laughs> let's go back to the original property we loved. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding? It is so cold. I'm so yeah, tired. Yeah, you were very resistant. Very resistant. Well, not that I didn't think it was a good idea. I was just so grumpy because you have to understand just the week before I drove up there with my mom. And, and in case those of you are maybe a little bit lazy, it takes us four hours, <laughs> four hours to Whether get Whether you're there. lazy or not, that's a big chunk of your week. Yeah, it takes us it's four hours to get either way, to go one way or the other way. So it's like an eight hour day just driving and trans, uh, taking transportation for us to go visit these properties. So I had done that the weekend before and we had done that a couple weeks before. And then the next week I go with her and I'm like, oh man, I want to go home. And we already eliminated the property that we were going to buy because we had just been going through the cycle of renovation, new house, old house, all of this stuff. And we just, we kind of like let go of the idea. So she's like, let's go back to that place. Is that how I sound? Like an old Italian man? That wasn't Italian. I've got an Italian accent. That's not Italian-American. But that's not that accent at all. So she has us go back to this place. And I am like kicking and screaming with my faces. That's true. We it get was to... one of those few times when I felt like insisting. And she was right. She's right. But I also said like, listen, my lady wants to go back here. There's got to be a reason because she doesn't, she doesn't just do things for nothing. And... I just, and the real estate agent was like, yeah, we'll go back. I was like, what? All right, he'll do it. I'll do it. So we start driving back up there and we see it. And all of a sudden there's this huge new perspective that we had on the property, which was, oh my God, we were standing on this amazing property. When we first started, we didn't know what we were looking for, what we were doing or what was amazing and what wasn't. And after seeing all these other ones, I was like, oh my God, this thing is incredible. And we saw that the first place that we pretty much looked at and thought was Deese was actually amazing. And it was that moment when we were walking away and I looked at Xenia and she looked back at me and she goes, I want this. And when she said, I want this, I just looked back and I go, all right, well, we're getting it then. And it was like, there was no, it was just the same conversation about moving. Like, yeah, we should renew our lease. We shouldn't renew our lease. And I said, yeah, let's not renew our lease. And it was, it was that simple. Really, it was that simple at that moment. And we were like, let's make an offer. So we, that day we made an offer on the house and we thought we were going to get it to be a lot lower than we did. The place, frankly, I do believe is, is overpriced as far as for the average person. But for us, it was actually just the perfect thing because it already had a house that most people would never want to live in who would potentially have the money. It was above somebody who would buy it for cash. And it was just like in this intermediate zone where it was perfect for us, like who we are, what we wanted to do, what we were okay with living in and all that stuff. And the property has so much potential. It's over 10 acres. And th these are awesome acres, no BS acres. 
like buildable, livable, awesome rocks and meadow and trees just and like views. Just like in my vision. Just cliffs like in her vision. There, and trees. Cliffs. I mean, that's a very liberal term, use of the term cliffs. But this place is was amazing. And we walked away and we just did whatever we could do together. And then as we were driving away, I noticed that our neighbors have pets or animals, farm animals. And one of them is this cute pony. It's a baby, tiny pony. A bony. It's a. <laughs> it's so small. It's smaller than a regular pony. And it's so fat that its belly is touching the ground. And it was so cute. And I just thought to myself, how amazing would it be to have neighbors that have a pony that I can come and pet? Yeah, a dreadlocked pony. And the, so we what's, know- what's funny about this woman is she makes uh, six-figure decisions based off of mushrooms and ponies. and i love that about her i really do because it is the little things that that make you happy isn't that a song so we knew nothing about mortgage about putting down well hold on hold on that's the thing is i used to know nothing about it until i researched the crap out of it um and learned everything there was to know first of all that's also not true that's a ridiculous thing to say we're still learning i learned a lot about mortgages i learned a lot about land and building and all these different things because i i would spend hours and hours upon end just researching like a little bit during the work day when i was taking a break and distraction and then in the evening watching youtube and learning how to build things and reading books at that point we both were already obsessed with the youtube show living big in a tiny house i was just so inspired looking at stories of people living those minimal lifestyles and those gorgeous really functional cabins all over the world and I became the one who initiated those nighttime viewings of those building shows. What I would force her, or not, sorry, that's the wrong word. I would invite her to watch and she would never watch and she had no interest. And then she started getting into it. And to be very clear, I was not a tiny house guy. I First of all, I love tiny houses, quote unquote, God bless those people who love tiny houses. But I didn't see myself living in one. You're one of them. I know. And now we own a tiny house. It's kind of like we're accidental tiny house owners. So let's talk about the house. So the house is 340 square feet. It's got one big room that's going to serve as a living room, a dining room, a bedroom, and my office. There's a kitchen. The whole thing has been recently renovated. It was built in the 60s, I believe. And everything feels pretty fresh on the inside. That's what really got me. The kitchen looks, even though it's very small, there's a white little countertop that I can take my pictures on. There's a there's two windows. Wait, time out. The kitchen is baller. It was done by a custom cabinetry maker. So if in the entire house, if the kitchen didn't exist, it could potentially be considered pretty crappy. But that kitchen makes it look amazing. And the living room is very charming. And it's got these beams and it's got this rustic wood on the inside and the outside. And there's this beautiful bench right outside that I just saw myself sitting on and drinking my morning elixirs on. And and I saw myself taking so many photographs of her fake meditating <laughs> and drinking lattes and all that good stuff. And she does meditate. Just obviously when you post for a photo, it's, 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 it's a pose. <laughs> so I, listen, if she has the vision, I follow. And we loved it. We bought this house. We had it. First of all, we didn't. We didn't even believe what we were doing. We put in the offer. We were just so felt like a game, and we went away to Namibia, to Africa, to a wedding. 
we got engaged and all the paperwork was being worked on or applications were being reviewed. So it still didn't feel real. Yeah, I mean, it did definitely feel, well, just on my side, I was the person that called the bank, found the bank, found the agent, did all that stuff. So for me, it was kind of real because I talked to a million people and got quotes on all these different loans and learned all about the different terms and then tons of research. So it definitely was pretty real on my end. And I think it was real for her, but it was kind of like, I'm going to like make this relationship with someone with the bank or the agent or this or that and learn this. How did you find the bank? And then I'm going to bring her in at the end. How did we choose the bank? I chose the bank, honestly. Well, we actually knew that we need to go with the local bank because there's more flexibility to get another loan for construction. So I called up a few banks to find out what their percentages are. No percentage. So what's their rates? What their rates are? Yeah. And then I presented it to you, and then from there you took it over and picked one. Yeah, I I I feel like you know we're we're bickering on this thing, but I did I gave you the list of banks to call. Remember? No. I did, and she did it. She did a great job calling those banks up, and I just figured out that we would just find the loan guy who looked young and probably wasn't didn't have like a big book of business. So I just called that guy up, and I was like, "Yeah, let's get this guy some some business." Essentially, that's sweet. He was really nice. He was he was a sweetheart, the guy. And he, he definitely did help us. He was extremely knowledgeable. Like There was no lack of knowledge on his part. And I could tell like, he was kind of like, yeah, take it or leave it. Like, I'm, I don't, you don't need to use me. There was, totally. no, there was no sale. Like thing. when you walk into a big bank, you know, even when I go to just do a transaction with a bank that I bank with, anytime I mention that I'm buying house mortgage, I just feel like there's so much pressure. They want me to sign up. And with this small local bank, there was none of that. Not at all. Not at all. So we got approved for a loan and... The truth is we didn't need a lot of cash to close this. We needed some, of course. And at that point, we already had it. My business has been doing well. Your business has been doing well. And it's just always perfectly timed at the time we had exactly the money we needed. Fact. That's actually true. Things worked out well. What we haven't said explicitly was... Well, I didn't say this explicitly was during the time that we first decided that we wanted to move between the time, like at least a month or two before we ended up making the purchase. I had tons of doubts and fears, tons. And I did always share them with her. And that was a good thing for us to to bond and move through the doubts and, and really to get into the world of reality rather than the world of fears. Now, the other thing that I, I will mention is once we did, you know, get the loan secured, you know, we got the real estate agent and we did all these other things. We started to talk about what we were going to do as far as building the next property, the next house. I called up everyone in the town planning. more. I just made so many phone calls and spoke to as many people as I possibly could. And I would report that information to her every day, get excited. And she was like, oh, what's the report today? And we ended up meeting up with another house manufacturer and we wanted to build something natural. And I ended up deciding that it was way better for me to focus on my business rather than building a house. And I thought I was maybe going to do a couple projects in the house. And I pretty much said, you know what? I, I really need to focus on, on my business. We'll build this house. Like we'll outsource the house building. And then the next prop, the next house, the next structure we build, I'll, I'll do it myself or with some family and friends. I researched so many different alternative building things, and none of them seemed to be up to the standard of, of beauty that my lady over here loves so much until I found this one thing called Plus Pew, which is this Finnish log home company 
that actually I got introduced to by a friend of mine because I pretty much talked to everyone and their mother who would even who would listen to me. And it was this uh, Finnish log home company that makes these amazing modern log cabins, which is probably the the decorative genre, if that's the right word. The decor that we didn't have the words to describe of what we wanted our home to be. Modern log. <laughs> and it looked awesome. I showed it to her. She was in. We we called them up, had a great person who was talking to us, really aligned on that. And you know, we're in talks with them on having them build the the first structure that we're going to live in. And there's the big one. Yeah, the big one. There's and there's so many opportunities to build other things. We do definitely want to build a tiny home on the property. I want to build something for my uh, my parents, my father, you know, family to potentially come in and stay with us because our tiny cabin is too small for anyone but us right now. Now, we're going to make this big move. And right now we don't have anything but a tiny cabin. And we have a lot of stuff here. So, we're moving yeah, in a week. We're moving in a week. We're wow. not ready. We're not. Well, of course <laughs> we're not ready. We, you just do things. It all just came through. It feels like so quickly. Like it was building, 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 and then boom. On Friday, we signed the house. And then we realized, okay, we need a car right now. So we bought a car. We were looking at leasing. I was pers- personally considering leasing a car and getting a really sexy Land Rover Discovery Sport. And then as soon as we went to the dealership and I drove this car, I just didn't feel right. And so we started looking at the used market. Well, hold on one second. Just to be to be clear, it didn't feel right to me before we got to the dealership. I mean, I just knew that it wasn't going to make sense. That's why it was important to go. Otherwise, I would never know. And it would have been this unfulfilled dream. So I tried it. I went. I knew it was not for us right now. And so we started looking at youth cars and we bought this men, sexy, men sexy, entertain your ladies' ideas, <laughs> even if you don't agree with them. We bought a Toyota Highlander hybrid, which is really beautiful and a complete dream because... How'd you find it? You found it on Facebook Marketplace and it has everything I wanted. It's super powerful acceleration. It's beautiful leather, light interior. It's a sunroof, which I didn't even know I wanted. And what's crazy is I want to just quickly bring this into the space is when you start really following those risky steps in your life and take those leaps that feel scary, the universe is going to send you signs that affirm that you're on the right path. And one of the ways that the universe communicates with me is through numbers. And my particular number is 43. When I see that That's number, my number, I know it's your, which is crazy. It's both our numbers. It was his basketball team number way before we met. And of course, I saw it on social media and I was like, what? Are you serious? So we went to the DMV today and it was not planned. There were so many things that changed that impacted, you know, we switched lines and this and that. We had to refill the documents and we ended up at this teller person who ended up giving us a license plate and it had the number 43 in it. And it was just such a moment of uh, aha and affirmation and belonging and grounding and support and just truly surrendering to being guided every step of the way. And even though this move feels scary, you know, sometimes I think about what if Erica's not there? I'm going to be so scared in this tiny cabin in the middle of the dark. I don't know what kind of animals are there. Oh, I I think... What if she's not there? I'm going to be so scared. <laughs> what if there's ghosts again, like in my apartment that one time? No, but at the same time, it just feels right. So I'm trusting that. How are we going to go from a thousand square feet to 340? I'm not sure. 
we're gonna get rid of a lot of things. I'm just creating piles of, this is what I'm keeping. This is what we're gonna store for now or sell. This is what we're going to get rid of, whether that's donate or sell or discard. And we're just gonna go through everything and bring only things that we truly love, that we need. And we're gonna build a shed where we can start collecting and salvaging things for our next structures. Because after watching all those tiny home shows, it's impossible not to want to do that. Totally. And right now we don't even have access to salvaging different things and picking up cool stuff on Craigslist, which I, I think. Why I don't we have access? Well, because we have no place to put anything. We don't have a car. Well, now we do. Now we have a, a land to put place, a land to put place, a place to put nice windows that we're seeing on Craigslist and store different timber and all that kind of stuff. And we've got a car to carry it. So we are going to start, um, you know, stocking up on some really cool stuff. And then we are going to build an amazing structure, whether it's an office for you and I, Ksush, or something else. But we're going to do something that we feel is an authentic, creative expression of ourselves. And we definitely will build a pyramid and or a teepee. And there's nothing I want to do more than like build an outdoor pyramid for sure, because pyramid energy is ridiculous, like so amazing. Put your water in a pyramid, near a pyramid, and tell me I'm wrong. Tell me. I just want to have that space used to invite community. I want to host circles and cacao ceremonies, and, and I want to wake up and put my bare feet on the earth and see what happens. I want to make a crystal grid around our house and the property. And I just want to, I want to make, I want to get those big crystals, the ones that, that are like garden crystals. Right. And I want to create a crystal chill space. And we definitely, oh, here's the one thing we're definitely going to make. This is a sneak preview. We are going to make a crystal cabin, baby. Yeah. One of the things we want to put up there is a small cabin that we're going to Airbnb out. That's all crystal themed. Just walk in and you have a full crystal experience. AAC, all about crystals. So what this move into a tiny home is giving us is this space to create, to be adventurous, to breathe and to co-create together. And that's what we're excited about most. We don't know the answers for every step of the way, but what I'm realizing is that figuring out how to buy a car, how to get a mortgage, how to register a car, all these things are figure outable and there are always people to help you along the way. So just... Follow those breadcrumbs of what feels right. Follow your heart. You live once. And to me, all of this came on a call with David Burns, who was my guest on episode 54, when he asked me, what would I do if I couldn't work for three months, if I was told to stop working for three months? And I realized that my life is not set up for this at all and that nature is my priority in my life in my head, but not in action, not in reality. And I was ready to change that. I would build a crystal cabin. You have anything else to say? Yeah. Yeah. Someone asked a question about fears. What are your biggest fears? So my top fears as somebody who was born and raised in New York City is being bored as hell because there's like the coffee shops are 25 minutes away. Coffee shop that has great coffee is 30 minutes away. Yeah, so there's not that much stuff nearby. So there's not a Whole Foods where you can go and buy a kombucha. There's not even a good deli where you can go and buy fresh kale. There are great farmers market, I hear, but there's not like convenience stores with all the things that we love, like cute kitchen chocolate. That's true. That's true. There's it's very hard to find some of the creature comforts as far as chocolate varieties and stuff like that that we love and value. 
just randomly there. You can't go out at 11 p.m. and find something crazy. But I think that the key thing is that I love the morning, early morning. And if we can go to bed earlier and get that early morning goodness in and capture some more of it while the season permits, that will be life-changing. We'll go mushroom foraging early in the morning. Yep. I can't wait to do that. And then we'll literally have a mushroom omelet. And that's the kind of thing we do together. I love this lady. <laughs> and then I'm also going to set up a slack line. And I never know about slack lining. There's a slack line YouTube video that's absolutely outrageous. You just search for it. Trust me. And the I want to set one up. Not like I'm the kind of guy that does slack lining, by the way. I'm pretty unbalanced. But I want to set one up because we can And it feels amazing to be able to do that. And I'm pretty curious to see what it's like. The other thing is, I know I'll keep on talking. I'm going to play my banjo out there. I'm going to play my ukulele. I'm going to play my guitar. And I'm going to have such a good time picking my old banjo on a porch. We don't have a porch. I'll build one. (laughs) But I am going to, we're going to have such a great time. We have a car. I just, I'm so excited about this. And I'm so excited with you, Scooch, because you're the only person that I want to actually spend my time with in a small, tiny cabin. (laughs) You're the only person that I trust that we could have fun and laugh enough that we could overcome anything together. And you're hilarious. And we're going to have such a great time together. And we're going to get into the best fights over the most important things and laugh after and drink kombucha and eat sauerkraut. And we go spend time on opposite sides of the property. We're, yeah. Well, the property is huge. <laughs> spending opposite time sides up. Yeah. Spending time on the opposite side of the house does not do much for peace and quiet. But I've got my hobbies. She's got her obsession with working. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anyway, there's two more things I wanted to add before we wrap One is that we were coming home from an event tonight and Eric was on the phone ordering pizza and someone passed by us and he goes, I love you, man. And I thought it's just a friend. And then he goes, no, like for real, I love you so much, man. And the guy turns around and I'm like, that that was interesting. I wonder why Eric was so persistent on making sure this guy knows he loves him. And it turned out to be one of the biggest rock stars of the music world of all time. Well, all, well that's the best. Trey Anastasio, right? The lead singer and so the guitar knows, player of Fish. People who know who he is. People, he, anyone who knows who Trey, he's he's a one a one name person, a four letter word, Trey. He's amazing. And he looked back and I can, could see him receiving your love. It was so cool. He totally received the love. Totally did. It was an amazing sign. She's so much better at describing signs and stuff like that. But again, it was just a matter of seconds. The only reason we were standing where we were standing is because you were on the phone. Ordering the pizza that we never eat. We never eat pizza. I had to take two lactose pills. (laughs) And in that second, Trey happened to be walking by with the lady he was with. So that was one announcement. And the other one is we are sharing our journey on Instagram at Woken Wired, at Breakfast Criminals, and at Tiny Cabin, New York. That's New York County started for this. And at Crystal Criminals. And at Crystal Criminals, for sure. And at Eric Brief, we'll post something too at some really? point. Eric did not end up sharing very much on his Instagram account about our life at the Tiny Cabin, but I did start a dedicated account for our journey on that. And I was sharing a lot on all of my social media accounts. There were a lot of viral moments around the tiny cabin, particularly on TikTok. I will link to everything in the show notes so that you can get a visual glimpse into some of the things that we're mentioning. And we ended up building not only a shed, but also a thousand square foot workshop. 
getting three pyramids on the property, and then starting to build a whole other cabin. We followed our intuition and we followed our vision, even when it was scary. And then a few months later, we decided to leave for Argentina for the winter. And the next outtakes you will hear is from episode that we recorded right before we left for our winter in Argentina and went nomadic for a couple of months, which ended up being the most perfect springing board for us to be able to do renovations while living at Eric's family apartment in New York City while being locked down for COVID. It all worked out in our favor. So here's this snippet from episode 74, We're Going Nomadic. I'm so much happier in this cabin than I was there when it comes to like deep soul fulfillment and connection to nature. Now, the thing about nature is it's rough sometimes. It's rough. And this winter, I'm told that it gets very cold here. Now, I'm from New York City, but even though this is like two hours away from New York City, it's like night and day difference in temperatures. And even from a place that's just 20 minutes away, like, you know, uh, Calicoon, it's actually like five degrees colder just where we live because we live up on the what they call the mountain here. So we have electric heat and we don't have a generator right now. And the people who own the cabin before us, they never lived here in the winter. So the house isn't really like super winterized, although it definitely could be with not too much effort. So we're thinking, hey, you know, it's been a huge adjustment for us to move here. In the last four months, we've made a number of, uh, you know, good investments monetarily and time-wise, you know, mostly. And we're thinking, wow. Like buying a driveway? Yeah, buying a driveway was the most expensive thing that we did. But things you start buying when you turn 30? You know, we bought, yeah, sure, we got the driveway, but it was also like building the garden, buying that great weed whacker. Learning the difference between brush hogging versus mowing your lawn. Sure. Oh, oh yeah. How much money did we spend on that kind of thing? Like at least $1,000. Forget about the money piece. Just the adjustment of, of living here in the winter, I'm told, is huge. Like our driveway is pretty steep. There's all this snow. We only have one car. We just learned and done so many things. And also our cabin, it's tiny and it's charming. But I got to tell you right now, it is just not set up for winter. When I open the door up and it's like 40 degrees, she's like, ah, it's freezing in here. Like it gets cold. No, of course not. You're not like the Wicked Witch of the West. But when the door opens, no matter how warm it is, like that cold breeze feels like you're outside. So we need to get our, we need to build a bedroom where my office is. We need to build like an interstitial space or a mud room outside. We need, there's a couple of things that I really want to do to our cabin that will make it inhabitable for next winter, at least enough so that we will keep it open the entire winter, even if we go away again. So the answer to this question is between how, what it's going to take economically and energetically and time in order to fix the cabin up for winter we're thinking, hey, why don't we just leave that for next season? We'll take that on next year. And this year, let's take this opportunity to go traveling and do some really cool things that we might not normally have done because it would literally be impossible for us to travel to any country, even if it was a extremely low cost of living, which Buenos Aires is, because our rent is so high. It would be so high. And I mean, nothing is impossible. It would just be so a I said, choice. I said close to impossible, I think. Didn't I, I think you did, but it felt not like, like I said impossible. impossible. It would feel like not a smart use of our money. Yeah, I think it would feel like the word guilty comes up. 
I think it would just, it would feel wasteful and it almost be like we could be, it would be a misinvestment. Yeah. That's what it would feel like. Yeah. Misinvestment. And probably one of the best things about living in this tiny cabin is we've gotten rid of so much stuff. Oh my God. I've got rid of almost everything. Even those things that you hold on out of, like I've held on to out of nostalgia. I got rid of all of those things. Starting with your art to clothes. I got rid of so many kitchen supplies. I've been giving away superfoods by the boxes to people. And we only kept dishes that we love. And it has felt really incredible to create that space. Once you let go of that physical weight, it something opens up. And I got to tell you, I started creating that space even before we moved. Probably a year before we made this move, when we lived in a big, luxurious, spacious apartment in Brooklyn, I already had that mindset of living minimally and I had that vision. So I was getting rid of things. I was using rent the runway to rent clothes so that I don't have to buy a lot. And it's been, everything has been leading to this point and it feels amazing. I feel like once you create physically the space for being able to have the energetic space to listen to yourself and to the divine guidance, intuition, then it's there for you. What you just said is so true. And it, it, there's a whole world that got opened up for me. So the first thing was when we moved, one of my biggest concerns is, you know, somebody who is an artist was like, wow, where am I going to make my artwork? So the first thing that happened is because if I don't make artwork, then like all this energy that I've got that usually gets channeled into someplace and who knows where it's going to go. So I started making uh, wooden spoons and that was really valuable for me. But I've also been, I've started two businesses in the last year. One is an info product to help digital marketing agencies create sales processes and have amazing sales systems. And the second one was I, I saw people having so much success from that. So I started my brand new digital marketing agency with my partner to start taking advantage of all the uh, technologies that I created. So with both of those new businesses, I've kind of shifted my identity because without that space to make artwork, that that space that I used to have in our old place, which at the time I was like, oh, this space isn't big enough. Without that space, and I, now that I have this new businesses, I've been pumping all of my time and energy, a lot of my creativity into this. It's been really valuable. It's been really interesting. You know, I've worked so hard and I've had that space and I'm thinking to myself, the fewer things that I have, the easier it is for me to, and the clearer my commitments are with my business and keeping the momentum going, the easier it's been for me to just say, yeah, let's just go. And then, so the first thing I've done is I'm just making sure that my like computer setup is good. Like I got the iPad as a second monitor. I got one of those stands. Like I'm planning on going to Buenos Aires and I'm going to learn some more Spanish. I want to get business level proficient. And it's the thing is I want to not lose any momentum and steam with my business. So it's only one hour time difference, which is going to minimize the variables that could potentially take me out of the game. So I'm really excited about that. Like instead of working from home, I will have to commute to an office. It might even take 20 minutes, but it's totally worth it. And also there's a study, there's this book that was written, something about creativity. And I think it was all discredited because the guy was plagiarizing, but there was some <laughs> really good stuff in there that whether it was fake or not, it was absolutely transformative. I got to get the name of the book, put it in the show notes. But what he said was, and this is, I think this is a real statistic, is that the further you are geographically from where you typically dwell, the more access you have to creative thinking. And to me, like that should be really the backbone of nomadicity. Nomadicity, that's the word. I was actually just listening to Joe Dispenza. I'm on a big Joe Dispenza kick. I'm listening to 
the Becoming Supernatural book. And I just listened to Joe Dispenza Hay House podcast. It's a 30 minute podcast. It's super basic intro into his concepts and super inspiring. And what I learned from that as well is when we live in the same environment and we do the same things over and over, because that's what human nature tends to do to fall into routines, we don't challenge ourselves to even be aware of who we become, what's working in our lives and what's not. And the thing he also says is that by by the time we are 35 years as human beings, we are basically just a set of routines and things we're used to. So I have two years, you're saying? You do. My God. So he's saying you can't teach it like a moderate aged dog new tricks. He says that creating space in your life to be conscious, a conscious creator of your reality and to the way that I interpret it, to create experiences and situations where you get thrown into absolutely new environments. Mm, so then you have to flex your, because you can't rely on routines. And now you got to flex exactly. your muscles to create new structures that support your growth. You get to rediscover who you have become yes! and who you want to be. That's what happened in this cabin. So, you know, one of the things that I've kind of come out in, of the closet with is I really want to like have lots of money. I got clear that I'm okay with making whatever it is that I make money. But I'm, what I'm really interested is just having a ton because if I'm doing what I love and I'm helping lots of people, well, and I could just have more by setting up some other structures and habits, like that's perfect because I really want to do is I want to buy us a bigger house. I love our tiny house, but guess what? I like a big house too. So I think like what I, the craziest shift has happened with the business, my business personally. So all of the people in my business at all my, you know, my partner, all of our employees and contractors, they all work remotely. There's not a single person that works in the same office as someone else. And I shifted the way that, first of all, I've become somebody who wants to employ people and want to empower people who are like working from home, nomadic abroad to have an opportunity to make great money living where they live, having flexible hours. That's like a revolutionary idea. And I saw in my business that I could be the source of other people having that opportunity, which blew my mind. These were some of the reasons that we were inspired to go traveling for the winter and how our businesses allowed us to do that. And then we revisited the conversation about why we moved to the tiny cabin in the first place after having actually experienced living here for a few months. We went tiny house because we wanted to move into nature. It all started like four years ago in the summer. I was at work and I was kind of bored at, at this one company. And somehow I got obsessed with a shipping container home. And I had like no dough. That's money, by the way. No money at the time. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, we were playing Frisbee in Central Park. I said, Dad, I'm going to get myself a shipping container home in, in nature, in, this, in, in the rural area. And my dad knows that when I want to do something, I always do it. I'm like a bulldog, he says. So he's like, all right, you know, I have no idea how you're going to do it. But, uh, you know, I believe that you you could do it. So when we got together, me and Ksush, I said, I, I really want us to have like a house in nature. And she said, you know, that sounds great. But we actually made it happen. And But the goal was never to save money. That was a byproduct. The goal was to leave the city because I, I knew that there was some element of life that I was missing out on by being only in the city. Just for background, I'm born and raised in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. And I went to 
college at NYU and went to high school on the Upper West Side. And I lived in different neighborhoods in New York City. Besides like a quick, you know, semester in Barcelona and, you know, a year in like Jerusalem, I've never lived outside of New York. That's crazy. Right. Says someone who has lived in Canberra, Moscow, San Francisco, Houston, L.A., New York City, and spent a lot of time in nature because my family growing up in Russia had country homes where my mom would garden and would go foraging for berries and mushrooms. So I'm no stranger to this, but I am a stranger to being the actual owner who is responsible for things running. Yes. Now we're jumping forward into time. You're about to hear outtakes from episode 129, which were recorded in the fall 2021. And this one is very much the energy of receiving visions, following through on them, and surrounding yourself with people who will see you in the bigness of your vision, hold you accountable, and believe in your vision, even when your logical mind doesn't think that it's possible. It's also about just how much growth is available when we place ourselves in new circumstances, in new situations, have uncomfortable conversations, and step into the unknown. When she asked me what one of my biggest wins of this past year has been, I said, surrendering to your vision, even though sometimes it seems really hard because you're such a visionary your manifesting generator, you take on way more than it seems that you can chew, but you really stick to it. And you take it on, you see a vision like renovating this cabin and like moving here too. Like that was all your mastermind after watching way too many YouTube videos about tiny living. And then you just figure it out. Like once you take that bite, you figure out how to chew it in the process. And I'm not naturally built that way. And so being with you and just you spearheading all the crazy adventurous decisions and me coming allowing me and creating the space for me to come on board when I'm ready has really been very expansive and I've learned so much from it. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. You said so many things. I was like wanting to respond to them, but let me pause. So first of all, it used to be because like I can walk into a room or a place and it, it's not like I see the future. It's like right now, this is what I see and want it to be. Like there's no pause. So I will walk into a place. I'm like, look, and I'm, I'm telling her to look and I'm thinking she's seeing the images I'm seeing in my mind. <laughs> like, you know, and so, but I see the whole thing complete, not the details complete, but I can feel the energy of it complete. And I can see the, um, I could see it, but I can't, I couldn't draw it for you. That's the best way of putting it. So I had a vision for this cabin. And a lot of the times, you know, in the past, something I'm breaking out of, I think we almost broke out of, is that the vision for what's possible is limited by the current circumstances. And I think that that is something that we've, we've broken through as a couple. I've broken through personally. And it happens by taking a, uh, biting off more than you can chew. It's for me, that's what happened is just to give you an idea about the cabin journey is I was starting up a new business just as we were buying this place. Meaning when we bought it, I knew that we weren't going to have 
very much money, if really any money, to just spend on things that we didn't absolutely need. One of those examples would be like a driveway. Like we needed a driveway. We couldn't drive our car up and down if it rained. So we essentially bought this place and just the process of buying it was like, it was so crazy because you gotta, you gotta put down money when you buy a place, of course, but that we're able to find the right place. And then that was the, we were able to pay the right amount of money just to move in and buy it and then buy a car. It's just, if I would have known how much money it would have cost to get where we are now, I might not have done it slash probably wouldn't have done it and would have been like, oh, I'd rather spend it on something else. But that's just not how life works. It is not. It is, I, four or five years ago, I had this vision of building a shipping container home in nature. I don't know if that's probably like something that was really big back then or I caught onto it. I don't know if it was YouTube or something else or I saw it and I was really inspired by it. But I, I, I kind of grabbed onto the shipping container idea, but what I really liked the idea was building my own house and being the architect of that. That's why, because out of all of the art I always make, I always felt like it was something that was an accessory to the house. But just like what I was talking about with the stepping on the stones that I personally split on the, on the walkway, I wanted the work that I wasn't making to be on the wall. I wanted it like to be the house itself. And so that huge project and then the satisfaction of building and then living in it seemed like oh, amazing. And I felt like being a, a city guy, I grew up in a two bedroom apartment, sharing a room with my brother, maybe 700 square feet, you know, not that that's like roughing it or anything like that, but I, I never knew what a roof was. I didn't know what an HVAC <laughs> system was. All I knew is that, you know, the thing, there was a heater that turned on and off and I didn't turn it on and off. There was an air conditioner that, you know, was in, in the wall. So I just knew nothing about the stuff that I, you know, learned a lot about. Actually, ironically, I got my first job in digital marketing over seven years ago, seven and a half years ago now. and. Part of it was selling digital marketing to home services contractors. And I was so lost. This is a huge influence in what we're doing today. I was so, I didn't know anything. Like, yeah, what do you know about roofing? I'm like, uh, nothing. Oh, so what do you know about uh, water damage restoration? I'm like, what is that? We both ended up going from knowing pretty much nothing about home renovation, about home ownership, to learning so much. And doing it within the property that we have owned and within the tiny cabin has been the best gift ever because the house is tiny. So even if the renovation project becomes a lot bigger, which it always does, even if the budget goes over, it's still not that enormous. And now that we're looking at building our own home or renovating another home, once we move to Austin, we feel so much more confident and knowledgeable in this area. So. And I remember when we just started, my parents were so supportive because they've always been about building their own home and creating your own corner of the world. And they knew that it's a beautiful foundational piece that can build your partnership alongside your home and that piece of home that you are building together in the physical and then in, in the energetic at the same time. And that's exactly what it's been. There's definitely been moments where our relationship was shook <laughs> within not having a bathroom for a couple of months 
within making these choices with renovation, making these financial investments, making these big decisions to commit to this property, even when in the long term, I knew from the very beginning, we're not meant to be here for a life. So if you are somebody who is considering making a crazy, scary, big decision that involves renovating your real estate or something completely different, I would say go for it. You're going to learn so much about yourself and you're going to expand your capacity to be with the good and and the bad at the same time. And when we expand our capacity to be with the tough and the challenging, we also expand our capacity to receive the beauty. If we looked at it from the past and said, this is what it's going to be, we probably wouldn't have done it. So that's the thing that I keep on heart. Can you notice that's the theme that we've been talking about over and over and over again is even if it wasn't great, I would never redo it differently. But if I looked at this from the past, like my old Eric's eyes, I'd be like, hell no. Right, right. So it's, I think what you're talking about is like this very linear thinking that doesn't take into account the process. And the process is where the learning and the growth and the experience and the magic happens. You know, what I was pointing to is that in the spring and in the winter, while we were living in the city and this place was still not what it is, you convinced me to start by just renovating a a little room we had in the back that used to be our office, making that our bedroom and connecting the two parts of the house that were not connected. That's the only thing we were committed to doing. And you just went ahead without me being ready. And even with that, I still didn't see how this could be like this beautiful space that I crave so much. Like for me, beautiful space is very important. It nourishes my creativity. It nourishes my soul, my body, and my showing up for my community. And somehow then it just expanded room by room. It went from bedroom to living room to then we decided to add a bathroom addition. Then we built a mudroom and a porch and a shed office. And it became this space that does feel like a representation of me that nourishes me in every level. And on Oh my God, that feels so good. But I didn't see that possible. It took me... I was working with a coach at that time for them to invite me to imagine what would it feel like if I could be in nature and feel amazing about around my space. And I had to imagine like a placeholder, another space that would have rented or bought or whatnot to even like allow myself to soak in that feeling. And that was my pathway to this becoming it, you know, like for me. Wow. You had to like put in a, um, a stand in place in order to. Exactly. Yeah. There was no way in my mind, there was no linear way that that tiny cabin could have become the luxurious, little, beautiful, charming home that I craved so much. Wow. That's really awesome. So it's the surrender to the process. It's surrender to the people around us who can hold a bigger vision, which for me was you. And it's taking it one step at a time. Yep. Well, in my mind, I'm always taking it so many steps into the future. And then I go so far and I feel like I'm exhausted from running so far into the future. And I'm like, and then I lay down and I just let go of everything. Let go of all of the thoughts. And kind of think about it as like an exercise mentally. And then I might have this another thing the next day. I'm like, oh, what about barn beams? Like just, you know, what about this? Or 
oh, what about a deck? And then I'll go so far and I'll call five people and I'll do research and I'll talk to, you know, three people on our, you know, in our neighborhood and ask them questions. And then that kind of just helps me develop more pictures. But what I will say is that when you didn't see the vision for the house, I wasn't worried. I used to kind of lose patience with you when you didn't see the vision that I saw. And then I realized that that's okay. You've got the things that you do and I do the things that I do. And I could be the person that sees the vision for these kinds of things in the future, or at least for right now, be that guy. And I could be the person who makes viral TikTok videos and gets us brand sponsorships. Absolutely. And that, you know, you do what you do. I do what I do. And, you know, we both do actually what we love. And that's the idea behind what we we're talking about with the crystal criminals was a great example is I do what I love. Which so what is, is crystal making criminals? Stuff. Oh, crystal criminals. Oh, it's the amazing Instagram account that we created together. That was just a, like a crystal art, crystal grid, crystal passion magazine. It really is, you know, for lack of a better word, and different, channeling different messages in crystal grids and show, introducing yeah. all over the world and mining and buying the most incredible crystals and selling them to our community. Yeah. Leading workshops with some of the top brands. Oh my God. I totally in New York City. forgot about all that. Yep. Oh, you know, I forget these things so quickly. It took off so quickly. It grew so quickly. It became like this recognizable thing. And then we just, Right at, the, it was actually just short of 10,000 followers. Yeah. And. So why do we stop doing it? Oh, I just got tired of it. I just, you know, it was something that no longer, it was no longer the thing I woke up every day and was passionate about. And. I guess. Like, yeah, from my perspective, yeah. it's when you are put in a container or a frame you don't really work well that way. Like you need to have full freedom of creative choice. But I'll also look at it like this is I'm somebody that I, I don't like do anything every day for the rest of my life. I'm just not one of those people, you know, people like, Oh, now I do yoga every single day for the last 20 years. Like I, I'm just not somebody who does that. But if you look closely at the date in which we started and stopped crystal criminals, the time that Crystal Criminals really stopped being consistent things when I had started building my new business that, you know, that I have with the, um, with my marketing agency and, and then taking to the next level, um, the info product, right. The helping digital marketers sell digital marketing. When, you know, I started, I got the ability when I moved to nature to start channeling the creative energy into business. And that was something I'd never done in my entire life. Oh, totally. Like, I, I have not made a painting in like 25, then like 23 months or something like that, like with paint on a canvas. Now I, I started almost making one, but I'm essentially making my painting in, in business. And I'm also doing it. You know, I did the entire mudroom uh, floor and trim and paneling and, I did the, you know, tiling with you in the bathroom and the flooring in the kitchen and the painting crystal and grid in the shower. crystal grid in the shower, like so many things. And that was, it's been really satisfying, but that's like, I'm clear that's my hobby. And I know, like, I do want us to make a lot of money all the time. And 
what was a lot of money a year ago is like not a lot compared to what we're doing now. And hopefully in a couple years from now, it won't be a lot of money too. Like we just keep on expanding it. Why? Because she asked me this question, Eric, what makes you feel rich? I go, oh, there's only really one thing. It's when I have an idea for a project and I can do it without thinking about how much it's going to cost. That was the only thing I could think of that makes me feel rich. And it was like, oh yeah, let's build a new house. Oh yeah. You know what? Let's build a, a, a house on the ocean, right? Like those ideas, like to me, that's why I also work because I feel really accomplished in business when I create something and I can share that also. But back to this cabin. Let's pause on the cabin. Come yeah. back to it in a moment. Pause. I want to hear more about challenging business ideas. Were you aware of the fact that that's what you're doing until you said it just now? Totally, totally. Well, let's put it like this. The missing thing in my life, let's say before I met this woman, my life really wasn't that great. What she said, you said you raised my, what did you say? My market value? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I did. What, what was the words you used? I think that's what I said. I raised your market value. Oh, she had ra- for sure. I mean, besides the hair around the sink, what you raised my market value because we partnered up and my take on finding a partner well, let's say giving away 50% of your proverbial business is the best idea ever, which is, seems so counterintuitive. What, what do you mean 50% of your well, business? My 50% of my business, it's like in a relationship. I'm not saying it's like a 50-50 relationship. Right? Relationships like 100% on your side and 100% on my side, like always. What I'm saying is for me, like when we create a partnership is that we're both responsible for everything. And I'm just like pretty much responsible for all of the stuff that has to do with the physical world and this house that's not cleaning, right? Like something breaks, I'm the guy. If we got to call someone, I'm the guy. I, you know, all those different things. And like, you know, when something isn't clean, you're typically the person, unless it's laundry, I'm the laundry guy. Not lately. Not lately because you're doing it proactively. You're enjoying it too. It's true. She doesn't, she's not going to do it unless she enjoys it. Okay, but... What I'm saying, this it's, this analogy is not working out with in terms of like the, the, you know, my analogy with explaining relationships because it's not exactly like that. But it's all about my partners in business and this woman right here is that they do the things that they're best at, that they're passionate about doing and getting better at. And I do the things that I love doing and I'm already awesome at. And then just staying in my lane has been so profitable, both from a monetary, personal, and passion standpoint. That's not to say that I'm not expanding in areas that I'm not as strong in. I mean, if you are a business owner, you can't like not look at your books, even if you don't want to be somebody who does the accounting. You can't like, for me, I talked about how I'm the salesperson for the business, but I'm still looking at the fulfillment and the execution side. I'm just not inside of it so deep. I'm looking at it and talking about it from more of a global perspective. And so the ability for me to really dive so deep into what I'm best at and what I'm passionate about, like I love doing, that has been the key, I think, to the success. Because I had always seen, in some ways, I had seen businesses like, you got to do those things that you're not good at. And yeah, that's a lie. (laughs) It's a lie. It's like, well, wouldn't I start a business based on like doing the thing that I 
I don't want to say love most because before I started doing what I do now, like with my own company, I wouldn't have said that this is the thing I love doing most. I would have said like, oh, I love making stuff. But you know what? I love the business because there's like 50 people, 50 businesses, let's say, like from my agency standpoint, like these contractors that really, and hopefully it'll be like, you know, 300 next year, but 50 businesses, let's say that rely on our service to bring them so much revenue. And there's a partner I have, and there's people that we have that are partners or employees in our business and we make the world better. It's amazing. Since this conversation in 2021, Eric's business has grown tremendously. And so his his relationship with being an artist. In December 2021, we ended up doing a social media experiment where Eric showed his origami sculptures and his art process on TikTok and Instagram every single day for 11 days. And it really transformed his ability and capacity and his really allowing himself to be seen as an artist by himself and by others. So he has really been courageously stepping into owning that he is an artist and trusting that, yes, it can be something that he does full time. That was all in episode 185. So if you're called to tap into that frequency, you can catch up on it there. You're the reason why I have all those, the things that I like most, like you help me get present to all of those things. Because, you know, when we're driving down the road, you're always like, stop. I'm like, what? There's a deer. I'm like, there's deer everywhere. But I do that when I'm by myself now. I'm just driving down the road. I see these deer there. I stop the car open the window and I say, hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> I really do it. And um, I look at the porcupine. I love the porcupines, by the way. They're cool. Yeah. We just, we got a, just a great thing going here with nature. And of course, remember I started off by talking about how, you know, when you're in New York City, you're looking what other people have. That does happen here. I go to other properties that I think are, I don't want to say the word better, but that's the first word that comes to mind than ours thinking, oh man, we really should upgrade our property. And then people come to our house, our property, and they're like, are you kidding me, dude? You're crazy. This is a slice. So unique. So unique. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. You are right. Because they say, in Proverbs, right? They say, who is wise? And what's the answer? He who learns from all people. Okay, well, who is Rich. What's the answer to that? I don't know. He who is happy with what he has. Mm. And they say, who is strong? Who is strong? That person which is able to overcome their inclinations that are self-destructive. You can't show the face you're making, but you're really considering that. And I think like the he, he like who is rich. We talked about who is rich earlier. Remember, I said like you can do whatever projects you want. But then the other side of that is like he was happy with what he has because we have something so awesome, and we had a great apartment in Brooklyn too. Mm. But what we have right now feels just way more awesome. There's endless possibility. You got to be willing to trade what you've got. I, that's how I see it. 
Mm, that's so interesting because my final question was exactly what you're, what you're pointing to is, what would you say to someone who is perhaps considering a lifestyle change? Maybe it is closer to nature. Maybe it is something more simple. Maybe it's building their dream home. But someone who's considering a change and is either clear in it or not yet clear, but there's that inkling. And what you're saying is be willing to change and give up. Yeah. Well, you. I think what you just said is being willing to give up what you have even if there's, if it's just a possibility of something that you really want, that's pulling you further and you don't even know, like Indiana Jones, right? Take that step, that invisible step and you might fall off the cliff. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, but you, you are going to be okay. No matter what it's true. And, uh, what the whole point of the YouTube channel, why we're sharing this is really, I think there's two types of people that we want, I want to inspire. And I think we've talked about this before. So I'm going to speak for both of us, if you don't mind, is I want to inspire the people that are like us, that are really considering or about to make that next jump in their life to that next dream that they have. That's And it's an extreme jump and dream. And it's not what everyone else is doing. It's against the current in some ways. And I want to encourage and inspire those people to do it like now. Okay. Then there's the people who think it would be a great idea, but don't want to do it at all. But there's something else that it can inspire them in. And it's can inspire. I want people to be inspired for whatever matters to them. I'm not trying to get people to do anything. Right. This isn't going to, you know, the goal isn't to convince people to move to nature or anything like that. The goal is to do something for me. I want to inspire people to do that thing in life that they really want to do that they think they can't do. And that's exactly what we are doing. We have sold our house. We are moving to Austin. It feels scary. It feels big, but it feels so damn right. In the next episode, Eric and I will sit down and share our hearts with you, our visions for what's next for us. I am so grateful that you are on this journey with us, whether you're just tapping into it for the first time, or maybe you were there from the very beginning, watching our first Instagram posts and TikToks about coming to the tiny cabin and being stuck in the driveway and having to declutter everything and become minimalists and going nomadic. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this journey with us and for trusting it to be a mirror for what is possible for you. This divine reminder to choose the bigger vision, even if it's not clear, even if it's completely foggy. Following this thread, this feeling, this aliveness within you that is calling you to take a little detour, to look the other way, to step into something you haven't done before, and to try something new. Because that's how you discover new aspects of yourself. You discover your greatness. You discover just how much you're capable of. Until next time. I'm going to go back to packing and I hope you have a beautiful week. If you haven't caught up yet on episode 209 with Ellie Salern, all about entrepreneurship and sacred business. Honestly, it's one of the most real and raw conversations I've had with anybody on this podcast or ever outside of the podcast. So if you're called to a dose of realness and being present to your own shadow and light at the same time, check out episode 209. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode, 
and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.